The Money Show. Shapeshifters. A high-tech business based in Cape Town in the Western Cape. It's seven, eight years old. It is exists to help farmers. Farmers have got vast tracts of land. They may have huge orchards. They may have huge uh, uh, pastures. They may um, need to keep an eye on those pastures. And what aerobotics does is it takes artificial intelligence technology. Uh, it uses drones. It is then enables the farmer to fly the drone over their property. And they're in 18 different countries. They're in Africa, the Americas, Europe, Australia and to chart the health of their crops, chart the health of the trees, see whether or not there's a bit of a dry patch or a drought problem or a disease problem coming through. And that's the aerobotics genius. Benji Meltzer is the co-founder in 2014 with James Patterson of Aerobotics. And, I mean, are those numbers accurate, Benji? 18 countries um, still, or have you expanded since my research was done? No, we're we're still in 18 countries, Bruce. I think um, all of our focus now is on sort of expanding within those markets, predominantly in in the US, South Africa, Australia, Portugal and Spain, Um, just focusing on on high value crops, largely being citrus and nuts. Um, So so rather than expanding sort of into other markets, we're, we're focusing on those core territories. In layman's terms, there's a drone, there is technology, there is a camera and there is somebody operating the drone. What are they doing when they're doing that? So the drone itself, the, the flight's actually autonomous. Um, there's a, a, an application that runs on, on a mobile device to, to plan a, a flight. Um, the drone is flying with um, different sensors. There's a visual camera as well as multi-spectral sensors. Um, th- those pick up basically signatures of, of the crop in the infrared or thermal space to, to pick up say, crop stress or um, irrigation-related measures. But the flight itself and the collection of that data is actually done automatically. Uh, you do need a person there, largely from regulatory perspective, um, just given sort of airspace regulation at the moment. But pretty much all that they're doing is planning the flight, putting the drone on the ground, sort of hitting a button to, to kick it off and um, when it's finished, making sure that 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 data gets uploaded to the cloud for analysis. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing sort of p- particularly special about the, the 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 collection of data. I think just another point is that the drones are, are one of the platforms that we use to collect the data, but we're we're almost agnostic in terms of where that imagery is coming from. We're we're working with satellite data, um, fixed-wing airplanes, ground-based sensors as well. Um, and, and pulling all sorts of different imagery into the platform for analysis. And what you're trying to find is cops, uh, cops, crops under distress of any kind, whether that be disease, whether it be drought, whether it be flooding, perhaps, if there is a, 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 a low point on a farm and there are three trees growing in a hollow and that's you know near a spring that's flooding the trees and they're drowning, for argument's sake, you could pick all of that sort of stuff up. Do you have to tell the drone what it's looking for or does it alert to anomalies? So the, the drone itself is collecting data at a broad scale across the farm. I think you touched on it earlier. The challenge is just traditionally monitoring these, these big areas manually by foot isn't feasible. And the drone itself is typically flying a grid type uh, profile uh, above the farm. And the analysis of that data and anomaly detection is all that's happening post the flight. So that data gets uploaded. 
Um, and really the IP that we're fo we've focused on developing is for um, different value propositions. So there's a pest and disease product, an irrigation product, a nutrition product, a, a yield estimation product. We're, we're interpreting that data in different ways. Um, and really the, the, the proposition is off the back of that data to help diagnose specific problems on the farm, localize them in terms of particular trees or areas of the orchard that have problems, and enable farmers to, to ultimately intervene in the right place at the right time. But, I mean, just to be clear, the collection of that imagery itself is almost agnostic um, from the, the interpretation itself. Where did the idea come from? Were you as a kid tasked with going to study a row of apple trees on an uncle's farm one day and thought, you know what, <laughs> I do not need to walk in this hot sun um, with a hat and a water bottle and run the risk of standing on a Cape Cobra. I'm not doing it anymore. And so you invented the aerobotics? Or was it not that glamorous? Uh, it is to some extent from James's perspective. So I started the company with James Patterson in 2014. He grew up on a citrus farm in Citrusdale. Um, and uh, I mean, to your description, kind of walked the fields and um, felt some of the challenges firsthand in uh, just monitoring and, and identifying risks and, and problems on the ground. We're both engineers. Uh, we, we studied together at UCT. He went on to MIT to study aeronautical engineering, which is, I guess, where the whole drone and aerial sort of imagery side of things come from. My background's in the biomedical imagery space um, and, and engineering space, where I guess my, my interests really are on um, analyzing data automatically to help with diagnosis or, or problem detection. Uh, I guess personally shifting from medical imagery to agricultural imagery um, was just an interesting problem to tackle. But but really, aerobotics was a combination of our personal interests and skill sets and just a massive opportunity, we thought, to help farmers far more efficiently uh, using these types of technologies. Talking to uh, Benji Meltzer this evening, co-founder of Aerobotics, South African startup. Learned its lessons in South Africa, now operating in 18 countries. More on that and what the real value of the data is. 81 million trees have been mapped in different parts of the world. Just try and visualize that. There's a forest for you. Um, and, and what the value is and how they monetize it and how they've expanded beyond South Africa's borders and just how much competition there is in the world. I wonder. More with Benji Meltzer in a moment. The Money Show. Shapeshifters. One of the theories of starting a business in South Africa, particularly tech businesses, is that you do it below the radar. You do it without getting noticed too much. You can make mistakes in South Africa, and then once you've got a product worth taking global, you're able to do so and have something far more robust to put into market. Benji Meltzer, co-founder of Aerobotics. Did you guys operate that way? Yeah, 100%. I think the, the way you've described it is is very aligned with our thinking in starting the company. Um I mentioned James was in Boston finishing his master's. I was in London and coming back to South Africa was a very deliberate decision to to build aerobotics. I think for a few reasons, one of which just from a talent perspective, we we understood we had access to some of the best engineering and technical talent. Um, agronomically, there's also access to some of the leading farmers in the world that we could sort of partner with in, in, in building this art. And to your point, it, it, it was quite a new space. It, it wasn't a saturated market like you might get in, say, California or Tel Aviv or, or elsewhere where 
from day one, you're you're potentially having to spend on competing rather than building a, a value proposition that that makes sense. And I think it, it allowed us the space to to really test and, and build and iterate locally um, with a problem that we believed was uniform um, across the world. So business model wise to kind of come back to South Africa, build and test and, and iterate until we had something that we thought was ready. Um, and then taking that that globally to to sell, I think was um, one of the, the the better decisions or, or aspects of the business in, in starting out. And we go, I mean, this market as you know as uh, effective as it is. I mean, agriculture. You talk about citrus. We're the second biggest citrus exporter in the world. We're very significant. But I mean, to truly scale, you need to get global markets. You need to get global customers involved as well. Which was your first market outside of South Africa? Um. We, oh, I'm trying to remember, um, <laughs> the, the, the first significant market was probably the, the United States. Um, okay. we, we were part of an accelerator program uh, with, with Google there uh, a number of years ago. And I mean, we kind of had our, our trip paid for and um, happened to be on the ground and thought sort of while we're here, why don't we go meet some, some growers on the ground? And um, interestingly, where in South Africa, we were very early in the space, um, and, and almost as first movers had to invest in creating that market, educating um, educating farmers on the, the potential of the technology and um, almost building from the ground up. We found that in the United States and, and California in particular, um, a lot of people had had exposure to this sort of technology by the time that we were there. And it almost helped us from a customer acquisition perspective in that um, the, the technology itself had been somewhat validated and it was more a matter of explaining how we differentiated and what value the product added rather than having to educate the market from the ground up. And we found that subsequently in a few of the other markets that we've, we've kind of focused on over the years. I've got my image of American farming is flying into Omaha, Nebraska, where there are maize fields that go for tens of miles. These are just, I mean, I've never seen fields as big as this, vast tracts of land. But I mean, when you're focusing on orchards uh, and particularly sort of nut groves and and, and, and citrus trees and things, um, the, the expanses probably aren't as big, but they must be larger than the sort of expanses we're used to in South Africa. And we've got some pretty impressive orchard spaces in our country. Yeah, it's it's another story there in terms of, of the scale. I think, I mean, the, the as you mentioned, we, we focus on, on citrus and nuts predominantly. It's sort of Central Valley in California, Florida, uh, Washington State with, with apples. And I mean, the scale is enormous. It's it's a completely different environment there. Um, it's, it's a lot more corporate. It's um, they, they talk about ranching sort of rather than farming where you're you're just farming at such crazy scale that you you can't necessarily farm with the intensity that farmers farm at locally in, in places like South Africa. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, just the scale and, and opportunity and again, need for this type of technology um, is, is massive. I think they're suffering a lot of the same types of problems that we're, we're suffering here in terms of um, growing uh, costs and, and scarcity of inputs from uh, water and the drought in California or um, rising fertilizer costs as, as we're seeing all, all over and I mean their labor being being a major expense and, and challenge as well. Um, so, so again to the point I was making earlier I think that the problems themselves are, are very similar it's just the scale there is 
um, significantly bigger in, in many cases. Where is the value in the business of aerobotics? Anybody can get a drone. Anybody can find some software and attach it to a drone and kind of map a field. I mean, I'm, I'm simplifying, obviously. But where is the value? Where is the aerobotics genius, if you like, housed? Is it in the IP attached to the software that you utilize that is particularly sensitive to the problems that you help farmers find? Yeah, it's it's, and, and this is the reason that we focused sort of quite specifically on on particular crops. It's it's really in the the agronomic interpretation of this data that's being collected. Um, to your point, a lot of these aspects have been commoditized in terms of flying a drone or getting satellite imagery, generating maps, as an example. I think the the real challenge is in turning those maps and those images into uh, insights and decisions that can actually be actioned on the farm. Um, And this is in the form of things like diagnosing a specific irrigation problem in particular trees in the farm or helping growers estimate how many fruit they're going to get at harvest and what the size of those fruit are going to be. Um, I think it's it's information that traditionally doesn't exist and really um, drives and enables much more data-driven decisions to be made on the ground. I think just, just something else worth mentioning is we've spoken up until now about the farmer themselves as the core sort of beneficiary and, and um, person that we're building the, the technology for, but this data really helps open opportunities for other stakeholders in the space to add more value through um, making more data-driven decisions or enabling better um, services to be offered to farmers. So, if you're an insurance, co- with- if you're an insurance company, yeah. this must be manna from heaven. I mean, it is you can truly quantify the risk that exists within a particular acreage of land. Exactly, and I mean, do you? you You've just touched on it. Insurance or crop insurance is one of the major sort of mm. revenue sources and, and focuses of the business where it, I mean, you could think of this as a vitality type product for for crop insurance where the insurer can get more visibility on, on risk and what's going on on the ground. And there's tools that, that they're essentially exposing the farmer to to far more precisely and uh, mitigate risk in, in farming practices, um, et cetera. And that, that really spans into a whole lot of other Um, stakeholders from banks in in lending money to growers or input companies in in wanting to um, drive towards more sustainable solutions, etc. And really what we're trying to do is offer a a sort of platform as a a layer off the back of our data to enable better transactions. But that's the value, isn't it? I mean, if you've got, if you've mapped 81 million trees, probably more by now, but I mean, you've got tens of millions of of tree years of experience that you can say, well, this orchard does this, this area does this, this part of the world does this. You can start to quantify um, and, and find similarities and anomalies, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's very much in being able to benchmark and compare how, how you're doing as a, a grower. I mean, there's so much variability on the ground. Each tree is different. Each orchard's different. Each cultivar is different. And I mean, this is is where the value of that data set um, comes in. It's it's actually around 200 million trees at the moment, which which really allows us sure. to um, build a, an absolute measurement in in comparing how this specific tree is performing compared to what we've seen in Western California in. I don't know, Clementines uh, up until now. 
How do you manage all of these operations out of out of Cape Town, out of the Western Cape? Do you sort of the data? Does it all come back to you? Do you do the analysis here? Is the analysis done automatically? How does that work? Because you have offices in different parts of the world, but uh, I'm assuming the hub is here. Yeah, so the hub is very much in South Africa. Our technology and operations teams are all in in Cape Town. Um, the the interpretation and analysis of the data is done. Um, predominantly automatically in in the cloud but we do have teams on the ground in in cape town who are helping um curate those data sets as agronomists that are labeling the data for for the machine learning models um we've got a what we call a drone operations team who are helping manage the pilots around the world that are collecting the data um and and really the international offices are more commercial hubs for um sales and, and building relationships with customers on the ground what a magnificent tale and beautifully told. Benji Meltzer, thank you very much indeed. The co-founder of Air Robotics, our shapeshifter this evening, a fabulous South African startup that's raised hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, or rand, certainly. Um, I'm looking at the currency translations, lots and lots of money, as it builds this great business out of South Africa for global needs.